Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Felicia Kennedy is the first repeat guest I've had on Hot Takes on a Plate here on the Believe Podcast Network. She's one of the smartest, most confident, and decisive food writers out there. Her opinion essays that you can have delivered to your email inbox every Monday are often written with such scorched earth clarity that they become the talk of Food World Twitter. And there's one essay she wrote recently that I want to discuss with her today. Alicia, thanks for taking the time once again. Thank you for having me again. I'm so honored to be the first repeat guest. <laughs> you, you, get the, uh, you get the trophy. Nice. Uh, after reading your essay on awards a little over a week ago, I knew I had to have you back on because awards are something that I've personally grappled with over the years. And there's so much to unpack as it pertains to the James Beard Awards, which were the centerpiece of your essay and how they intersect with this moment in time. So for those who haven't been paying close attention, there's essentially two versions of the James Beard Awards, one for chefs and restaurants and another for food media. And they're they're kind of like the Emmys of the food world, considered the highest honor a food person can receive. And this year, after completing all the voting for the Culinary Awards, the James Beard Foundation announced in August that they would not announce the winners at their online ceremony this Friday, September 25th. They cited the, quote, grave negative effects of COVID-19, adding that they believe the assignment of awards will do little to further the industry in its current uphill battle. They also said there would not be a traditional awards presentation in 2021 either, but that they will be back in 2022 as they work to overhaul the awards. So, Alicia, why do the James Beard Awards need overhauling? They need overhauling because the entire way they are judged and produced doesn't make any sense at all. Um, <laughs> so I, in addition to writing on the awards essay last Monday, I also had a conversation with Charlotte Druckmann, who the anthology she edited had been nominated this year, uh, Women on Food. And so we talked about the the process for for getting nominated in these awards. And they, you know, in restaurants, they make very little sense because you're awarding a chef, but it's for the restaurant. And so one would think it would be about the entire team and, and you know, the whole shebang that they have going on. But like the only person who gets the award is the chef. And these restaurants get nominated in a way that makes it very unclear whether anyone's actually eaten at the restaurant or whether anyone's eaten at enough restaurants in that certain geographic location in order to make these kinds of judgments. Um, and then in the media sector, you know, a lot of people who have staff jobs, their publications pay for them to nominate their awards, uh, nominate themselves for the James Beard Awards. But for you know freelancers which make up you know quite a bit of food media and, and what gets published we have to pay and i i think maybe they lowered it but i've paid 150 dollars twice to nominate myself i have to <laughs> yeah, full disclosure it's, it's so depressing and weird and like just uh it's it's not it just feels dirty to have to nominate yourself for an award for one and to pay 150 dollars for the honor and you know people have pointed out how other awards for for writing usually come with a cash prize because you know journalism isn't um a lucrative business and so it's nice that if if you're nominating yourself for an award even for a nominal fee at least you have this promise that that money is going to go to the person who wins and that that person could be you. And so like you have this opportunity to kind of like make your money back. But in the James Beard Awards, the money 
goes back to the James Beard Foundation. The same thing with producing a dinner there. You know, they the chefs have to pay their way. They say oh, they're going to get me started on that. I know, I know. They say they're going to fix this too, but the chefs have to pay their way. Um, the chefs get maybe twenty percent, I think, or twenty dollars back on each ticket sold to the dinner. And you know, you have you rely on a lot of vendors to simply donate product and thus also produce a fundraiser for the James Beard Foundation. Like everything they do is just to fundraise for themselves to run this organization. And it doesn't really give anything back except these accolades that more and more mean less because, you know, they're, it, it doesn't make any sense how they're arrived at. Now, these are issues that have been going on with these awards and, and many other awards, not just the James Beard Awards right. for, for, for a very long time. But this year in particular, them saying we're not going to, even though we've tabulated the votes, we're not going to announce the winners. Uh, it seems like there were more um, cultural events at play here right. that they, they were basically trying to save face. Could, can you explain what those things were? <laughs> Apparently, no black chefs won in any of the categories and they were... You know, they didn't want the scandal of what that would look like. But now and there's what, 22 a, categories or something yeah, like that? Yeah, there's so yeah. many categories. But, you know, the way these awards are set up, they reward people who have big budgets for PR, big budgets yep. to, you know, do the fine dining business. You know, they do those heritage or um, like American tradition awards for smaller um, restaurants. Usually those are the ones that are, quote unquote, ethnic restaurants that get those awards. They don't get to be best chef, but they get to be, you know, they get a, a little nice consolation prize or something. So, uh, yeah, it, the fact that no black chefs won, they wanted to kind of hide from that. And I, th I think what they should have done was put the winners out and just acknowledge that reality and really deal with it, you know, yeah. and, and instead of hiding who won. And also it was a strange year because a few chefs took themselves out of the running because of controversy, yes. like Jessica Coslow from Squirrel, Rich Landau from Bedge, whose employee employees were, you know, calling him out for bad behavior in the kitchen. I think there was another chef, I think David Kinch, who took himself out of the running uh, because he decided it, it didn't mean anything anymore. All of a sudden, you know, he's someone who's already got all of his accolades. So, you know, he, he can <laughs> say that. Um, but yeah, so it was just it it just seemed like a cop out. Um, and they're still getting all this blowback for it, as they should. But at the same time, you know, they should have come out with who won and just decided to reckon with that and yeah. be really honest and transparent about how they the process works. Because I mean, I don't think it's public who is a judge for the restaurant committee. I'm not sure, though. I haven't looked deep into it, but I don't think it is. Well, um, I know that like you can like, OK, like, for instance, I have received emails in the past from PR people saying, hey, nominate, not pick the winner, right. but nominate our, you know, client's restaurant for a James Beard Award. And anyone can nominate restaurants yes. like you can literally go on the James Beard Award website and just put it in your friend's restaurant. And that sounds very democratic. But on the flip side you know, telling your friends, nominate my restaurant, how many friends right. do most people have? Now, if you have <laughs> powerful PR people behind you who can push that out to, you know, countless people and influential people, those are the people that are going to get nominated. And the more right. you get nominated, the more chances you have to possibly win someday. Right. And there is still, then there's the restaurant committee who actually do the final picking. And that's where I think the opacity comes in, where it's like, I don't think they've dined at all of these no. restaurants, you know? It, you know, if it's a bunch of media people from New York and L.A., have they right. eaten in St. Louis recently? Probably <laughs> no. not. 
And if they have, it was on a press funded trip, you know, like so yeah. few people have positions where they're they're actually being flown around everywhere. And and even that has its own you know, bias in it where, you know, someone is going to go to the places that have the most hype, you know, that have the best Instagram look the the you know, their friends have told them about, you know, it's not, it's never going to be this really democratic thing unless there are committees in kind of every state or something who are really doing this work. But to do that, you're going to have to pay those people to do that work. You know, like it's, it just, nothing about determining these awards really makes any sense because they're not being determined by the people who are on the ground. And the thing that about not being on the ground is that you're not, you know, this is another conversation that's been coming up in food media, which is that people only talk to the chefs and, you know, they don't talk to who's working there or whatever, or those kinds of things. And if you're on the ground in a city, you're going to, and if you're talking to people who work in an industry that you're covering, you're going to hear the whispers. You're going to know about, you know, how Jessica Coslow treats her workers before, you know, people in New York do, you know, if, if there's a chef who's been getting accolades, but is also, you know, harassing people, you're going to find that out if it's in your city, um, versus these people who are just parachuting in. And so, and I, now that, you know, I'm outside of New York, where not living in New York anymore, I'm like, wow, you know, you don't see anything about a place until you really live there. And you can't rely on these perspectives from people who don't live there. And so that, but that's what we're seeing all the time in terms of the restaurant awards. I mean, it's, it's an echo chamber because if you ever look at these lists, it's the same names over and over. It's, it, it almost feels like the, the, people who who vote they just go well i recognize that restaurant name i've heard of it and therefore that should be the winner right and right. you know look i think there's there's a lot of, on the flip side of that and and one of the reasons i wanted to discuss this with you and i find it such a fascinating conversation is because so much of the conversations that we have nowadays in general especially with social media is they they become very binary and to me awards are the ultimate example of how two conflicting things can be simultaneously true i right. mean you've said it you, you know even with the the scorched earth essay you wrote about awards you've submitted for james beard awards before mm-hmm. and uh, you know i think about like the, you know they they pulled the plug this year because they they wanted to sort of save face, but it, it's not really fair to the restaurants that did win something because right now they could really use the publicity boost. Exactly. Yeah. And and that's all it is really is a publicity boost, whether it's for writers or for chefs. You know, it doesn't necessarily reflect your talent. It kind of reflects your moment in the zeitgeist in, t- in terms of food media. And, you know, there's arguments for whether that's valid or whether that's not. Um, but at the same time, you know, I submitted, even though I hate these things because I needed the boost to my it's the game career. That they have to play. It's, it's exactly. It's, it's, I mean, look, I'm somebody, you know, I've never won a James Beard award, but I've won New York Emmy awards. And, you know, it's something that I put on my bio and I put out there because it's something that people recognize and they understand, Oh, that's like a, a symbol of quality. That being said, I kind of hate it. Like, yeah. And and I, you know, like, I'm not just, I know it sounds hypocritical, but like, you could ask my staff over the years, like, it's, it becomes such a, and you wrote about this in your piece that, it, you know, you start to sort of play to an aesthetic, you know, it's right. like, and, and I never, ever did that. You know, I always told my staff, look, we're going to produce really great work with the show I did restaurant hunter. And if it wins an award, that's great. And I always wanted that recognition for my team, but if, if it doesn't, at least we played our game. But there were people out there that legitimately were like playing a game because like, for instance, with Emmy Awards, and this is the stuff that makes me go, oh, it feels so like not worth it. 
like the people judging it, and I've judged them before. You don't have to watch the entire thing you're you're you're, you're judging. Like you right. literally, it's like you've watched like I think you have to watch twenty five percent of whatever's submitted. So if you're taking that approach, then just stack your story at the front with your best content and let it fall apart at the end. And I've seen stories that do that that have won. And to me, the best storytelling doesn't fall apart, you know, halfway through, right. you know, you build an arc. But like, it's just so demoralizing to think that, like, here you are getting this great honor. And it's like, because, you you know, somebody watched 25 percent of something you did. Yeah, yeah. And and that's something I, I've grappled with, too. You know, I've had people come to me and be like, you know, I won this award, but it didn't mean anything for my next book uh, deal or, or, you know, and, and that's been people's argument toward me is that that sometimes their award didn't actually change their career. And I'm, you know, I'm sorry for that. But in a lot of cases, it really does. And also, there's this thing where there are people who win awards, but their work I mean, this is just another metric that maybe doesn't mean anything, but, you know, their work doesn't have an impact on the public. You know, it doesn't have a market value impact. You know, it's like, well, I won an award, but my book didn't sell anything. So because I got the award, it didn't mean anything for my next book deal. Well, it's, well of course, because your book didn't sell, you know? And so yeah. like, there's this kind of, um, I mean, I guess it's like the thing where maybe an art movie wins an Oscar on occasion and, and few people have seen it, but it won the award and, and that sort of thing. There's this these differing value systems that determine all these factors, but it's it still means that we should have more transparent rules. Or if we're going to do awards, the, the rules need to be clear and they need to be transparent and, and the people who are doing the judging need to have an interest a clear interest beyond the cachet of being a judge in, you know, the, the restaurants that they're judging, you know, they, it, that's why I think it needs to be localized if it needs to, if it's going to continue to exist, because if it's your community, then you have an interest in making, you know, sound choices. Well, but I it, also think they need to pay the judges. You know, I did, yes. I did journalism awards this year. They're getting $150 per entry or at least a hundred dollars per entry. And then we're all reading like 30, at least 30 pieces. In some cases, people are reading a bunch of books. Um, and I mean, do you think they're really doing that? You know, like, uh, uh, do you think they're really reading the entire thing and, and judging it really well if they're not getting yeah. compensated for that? That's, no, that's insane. I mean, I've, yeah. ju I've judged <laughs> Emmys before and it's the same thing. It's a volunteer thing. In fact, the Emmys a couple of years ago put in place that in order to even submit, you had to judge at least three things. So basically, and, and let me also throw in there, the Emmys are not free. They're like the James Beard Awards. So you have to pay to enter, which fortunately for me, I had a TV station that was willing to foot the bill. But again, and this is another thing, this goes to the whole paying to play and, and the whole cost of entry. You, like you said, if you're a freelancer with the James Beard awards, you are at a disadvantage versus somebody working for, say, the New York Times, which has a budget and could submit, you know, as many things from Pete Wells or whoever else, not to pick right. on Pete Wells, but they could submit <laughs> as many things as they want, you know, and you are trying to find that one piece you did that might break through because, you know, you're only willing to spend 150 bucks, you're, you know, you're not right. spending a bunch on lottery tickets here. <laughs> and, and, and the same goes even like, you know, like with the Emmys with TV stations, I had a TV station that was willing to pay for entries for me, but they capped it. They're, they're like, okay, look, right. we'll pay, but we'll let you have this many. I know other outlets that literally would submit hundreds of things. They had a whole budget for nothing but awards. So we're, we're just right. going to throw 
tens of thousands of dollars at awards. So you do all of this, and then you're asked to volunteer as well. And then, I don't know about the Beard Awards, but with the Emmys, you have to pay to go. Like, they, you don't get oh. a free ticket. You have to pay, and it's expensive. Very expensive. I think you just get one ticket. Yeah, and, we don't and get any. if you want to have someone from with you, you have to pay. Yeah, yeah. Pay to, <laughs> you have to pay to go. And then here's the, oh, and here's the kicker. So let's say... The show I did, Restaurant Hunter, I'll right. use it as an example, like like an episode we did, team effort. You know, there's a whole bunch of us working on it, win, wins for something. You get one Emmy trophy. If anybody right. else wants one, you have to pay for it, That's even insane. if your name was on it. So the whole thing is, it's just, a, it's like a, you, you feel dirty. Yeah. Yeah. No, and that was my whole argument with the the Beard Awards is that it really just makes you feel bad. And, and you know, not even just because you're not getting nominated. Like, that's the least of it, you know? It's like, it's what it, it's asking yourself, what kind of a system am I participating in, you know? And that I'm paying at the chance to just keep, you know, making money doing my work. You know, it's very demoralizing. And it's frustrating, too, because this is okay. So like when I was in high school, I, I, I did cross country and track. And the reason I did cross country and track is because it was completely 100% objective. You know, right. if you ran the fastest time, you ran varsity and the fastest time won any race. And there was, whereas other sports, you know, you have a coach judging who should start and who shouldn't start. And it's very subjective. That's the world we live in with creative stuff with, with media, especially it's right. all subjective. And to have somebody like, who's the one telling you you are the best or aren't the best? Like, right. that is a really hard thing to wrap your head around. Like like you said, the transparency of who's judging, who's the one who's dictating or, or the people who are dictating who deserves the credit, whether it's food, media, or anything else? Right. Yeah, and, and in restaurants, it's not people who are working in restaurants, it's critics. And in media, it's also fellow journalists making the choices, which I think is interesting. Like, the, the chef awards aren't judged by people working in the industry, really. It's judged by people outside the industry. And I, I think they would look very different if they were judged by people who are working, you know, in restaurants and in bars and, and really had an inter vested interest, again, in in the industry and what it looks like and who are, who represents it. Do you think, like, a little bit of pettiness <laughs> comes into play? Like, you know, if it's journalists judging journalists, like, oh, this is my friend over here. This person deserves to win. I've never heard of this person. Why am I going to give them a, an award? <laughs> No, absolutely. I mean, I don't think I'm, it's possible for me not to have bias when I'm judging, you know, other writers, you know, I, and it's not because these aren't blind entries either. You're, you're not yeah. getting them without a byline. You're getting them with the byline with the pub, you know, the publication. So if you say, oh, you know, that publication uh, rejected my pitches, uh, screw that publication. They don't have any taste. You can say that like, because no one's asking you uh, for any, you know, Re real reasons for why you're voting. You know, you pick your favorites and that's it. And what determines your favorites isn't always going to be about, you know, aesthetic quality. Well, and we kind of hit on this a little bit earlier, and I want to kind of come back to it. This idea that you're kind of catering your work, some people are, to an award, to win an mm -hmm. award, and how damaging that is. Uh, you know, I think about, like, it, 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 it can stifle creativity. It makes people sort of clone a certain sort of way and it's and it's and it's sort of elevating a certain aesthetic as saying like and you wrote this in your piece that it's basically saying right. like hey this is what everybody should strive to be and that is not good for any creative endeavor right 
No, absolutely. And, and it, and it really does determine things because, and Charlotte Druckmann in our interview too, was saying this, that the categories are so narrow in, in terms of what they're, they ask for, especially in the, in the media awards, you know, like a a thing could be personal essay, but also a wine and beverage piece, you know, something can Mm -hmm. be reported and also a personal essay. Something can be a feature as, you know, it, it, none of it is very clear and it doesn't encourage people to really think outside the box in terms of what their pieces are, you know, it it doesn't encourage like genre bending or anything like that. It, It just encourages you to, to, you know, keep things narrow, um, in, and so that you can add, be submitted to these awards. I mean, for me, a lot of people, in terms of what I submitted last year, people were like, "Oh, submit to the wine and beverage category instead of feature reporting because it'll be less competitive." Like, <laughs> like because oh, you know, th- there's it's that's exactly it. It's a game. I know, I know, TV stations that hire people who literally it's their job to see like what would be the best category to submit something in to try to win. Like it's, right. it's, a, that is the game. Yep. No. And it's so weird. Like, I'm like, I, you know, I was really proud of the beverage writing I did last year, but I was more proud of a big feature I'd reported. And so I submitted that. And then I was like, oh, did I make a big mistake? Cause should I have submitted to the less competitive category? I don't know. And, and you could, you know, beat yourself up thinking about that, but in the end it, it's so silly, you know? It is. And, and, you know, at the same token, you know, here we are bagging on awards, but let's be honest. And this is that whole idea of there's so many it's complicated. We're all competitive, like journalists, you know, we're chefs, whoever, we're all competitive. And there's not a lot of ways to really compete in what we do. Awards are a way to compete. And it's, but it stinks because it's not a fair way to compete, but it's the only way in some ways to compete. So it's like, what do we do? Yes, exactly. And I don't know how to get out of it. It's it's a, it's a little prison. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's, it's like a drug addiction. I know. And that's why I said in the end of my piece, I was like, can we just, can we boycott this? And so then we, none of us are playing this game and then we don't have to concern ourselves with it anymore. And we can, you know, write outside genre and, and just, you know, see what happens. And I will see next year if people are, if, if the, no, next year they canceled all the awards. And so we'll see what happens then. Um, But, you know, in 2022, if they're, if they have, gotten themselves together and maybe it's an equitable and transparent system and it's totally different, then I might be singing a different tune about whether people should boycott this. But if they're coming back with the same kind of thing where you're paying, you're just fundraising for this organization in the hopes of an accolade that will allow you to continue to be competitive in, in, you know, the capitalist journalistic world, then, you know, what's the point um, of continuing with this when they've, they've shown us that, they're very homogenous and, you know, and, and super opaque and, and it, that shouldn't be rewarded. And it, and it could, I was gonna say, it can also be very demoralizing. I want to bring up the, this one last point. Cause like, I think about, you know, again, to use my own personal experience and it's not the, the beards, it's the Emmys. You know, there was one year, a few years ago where we got nominated for three local Emmy awards here in New York for restaurant Hunter. And, you know, there's like six or seven people in each category. So you go, okay, maybe we'll win one. That would be nice. Well, we, we, we show up and we, we went three for three, which if you, you know, do the math of odds, you know, six in each category, three awards, that's, that's pretty incredible. And it was like such an amazing night. I mean, my staff were partying and I just felt like this, this proud Papa, you know, like it was mm-hmm. great. And, and I'm not going to pretend I didn't think it was great. It was fantastic. And let me tell you, it, 
I'd be lying if I said it didn't screw with my head after that because then it was <laughs> because then it was like, oh crap, like this is the bar now. Like right. we now we need to go win four next year, you know? And knowing right. that like three is it's a sort of luck, one. I mean, it's subjective, right? Like right. do do I think we I didn't see every piece in each category. Who knows if we were the best? Maybe we weren't. I have no idea. <laughs> but like it was complete luck. And but now I'm like, if we don't win what even one next year or we, whatever, it's like now people are gonna think we're we're slipping. We're we're right. losing we're losing our fastball. And I don't we never won three again in one year. I think we only won one total after that. But I didn't think our work got worse. I thought it got better, but it didn't matter because right. in, in the, in the, at the end of the day, I don't think anyone was actually paying attention. It was literally <laughs> just me in my head. But this is the yeah. flip side to awards is that all of this stuff, if you've if you have submitted like every single year of your life to try to win something and you've never gotten nominated, that will mess with you. And that's not cool either because it doesn't no. mean your work is not good. It doesn't mean crap. Right. No, absolutely. And, and I think people should try to focus more on, you know, the peer response to their work and, and how, and not even just peers, but also like people who engage with writing or with, you know, video-based work, it, it, you know, what are they saying? What feedback are you getting? That should be the real metric for how you're, what you're doing and, and how it's being perceived and, and not some, you know, fancy award that you have to pay to get. Um, I, I think, I think paying attention to that is, is really the, the most important thing. And look, the beauty of this moment, we've never lived in a better moment for getting your stuff out there without a yes. gatekeeper. You know, you're doing it. You know, you have a Substack, yeah. like you're you have a newsletter, people can sign up and people are signing up and it's word of mouth and you know, I, it's it's funny cuz like I I think like about social media, you know, there are people out there that have so many followers, but they don't have engagement. And I, I see you, you know, you have a, a, what I'd consider, you know, a solid amount of followers, but it, you're not, you know, six figure, you know, people following right. you, but you have crazy engagement. Like people yeah. are really into what you're doing. And that says something to me. Yeah. No, and to me too. And that that's why I'm trying to focus on that instead of, <laughs> instead of accolades and, and the, the number, the number on my book deal. <laughs> so. <laughs> But yeah, I, I and you know, one last thing I want to mention about all of this, not with awards, but you brought up the James Beard house and I, a, a really hot take pet peeve of mine are food events right? because they, they fall under the same category as awards. It's these events that are put on that chefs and restaurants are expected to attend where they, the restaurants need to pay for their own way a lot of times and they have to supply all the food. And if it's going to a charity, I can I can accept it. I've been part of events that were for charity and I'm I'm happy to do that and the restaurants are happy to do that. But when it's for profit, which like there are publications and things like that that do events that are for profit and mm -hmm. still expecting people to to foot the bill. It's pretty disgusting. And they're expecting yeah. people like me and you to be, you know, judges and panelists and again, it's all for free under the name of publicity and if we don't do it, we get you know, blacklisted or whatever, but it's free labor for something that doesn't even go to charity. Right. Yeah. No, it's absurd. <laughs> what's Blow up the system. And what's demanded. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> Blow it up. So what should we do if we win awards now, Alicia? What's, what's the next step? Like, what are we, what are we supposed to do about this? We're complaining about it, but we're part of the system. What do we do? Well, I think in terms of, you know, journalists, 
who might submit themselves for the beard awards in in and pay for it i think we should stop doing that i think if they're going to ask us for exuberant amounts of money and we have the only thing we get in return is a medal and you know the ability to say james beard award winning writer then we need to stop submitting to that and demand that the money go towards something whether it is a scholarship funding or an emergency fund for writers or you know it should go towards something that actually gives back to the people who are creating that creating that wealth and and i think you know in terms of the james beard house my god they <laughs> so much needs to be done there um to fix it but yeah so i i just think for for journalists we need to stop you know giving to this system well, I think uh, you and I, uh, we've lost any chance of ever even winning a James Beard Award anyway <laughs> after doing this podcast. So it is what it is. We, we've dug our grave. We are outsiders now trying to push our own way in this system. But Alicia, what's the Substack so, so people can subscribe? Because it's fantastic. Uh, AliciaKennedy.substack.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Alicia, for the time. And oh, before we go... I forgot to throw this out there, breaking news about this whole topic. I'm burying the lead, Alicia. Uh, <laughs> we're talking about the James Beard Awards not announcing winners this year. Uh, Pete Wells had a story out. We're recording this on uh, Monday afternoon uh, that they actually are announcing a, a few awards uh, this Friday. Uh, they are announcing um, some design awards, and they're saying it's because it's not um, chefs or restaurants that are winning. It's design <laughs> firms. So um, if you're into design, uh, there, there's some hot awards coming from the James Beard Awards. So so, so pay close attention this Friday, everybody. I know you're on pins and needles about it. <laughs> All right, well, thanks so much, Alicia. And listen, uh, Hot Takes on a Plate is part of the Believe Podcast Network. Check them out at BLEAV.com. If you are new to this podcast, make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow on Spotify. Also, make sure to check out some old episodes. We've got some great ones. And we've got a great one coming up next week with... The godfather of podcasts, Dan Pashman of The Sporkful. Can't wait for that. Also, make sure to rate and comment if you like what you, you're hearing. And you can follow me on social media at Rob Patron TV on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And I'm hearing some crazy noises in the background. Are you okay, Sorry. Alicia? I'm okay. Someone's... <laughs> I didn't know we you were a... getting mugged. I just want to make sure. I'm sitting here doing my little goodbye. I just want to make sure you're safe. Are you okay? I'm okay. It's just, just people, we have a balcony open to the street. So, you know, it's just normal goings on with the mailman. <laughs> you know, I've got my window open. I'm surprised there haven't been any uh, sirens or any weird things. I, you know, I got my window open on a nice day. But anyway, this is, this is the world of podcasting. We're keeping it loose. Until next time, ciao. <laughs>